I gotta ask all you guys a question. Is everybody happy? No. Again, is everybody happy? No. I'm happy because the podcast is just right around the corner. It's right around the band. And with the podcast, that means my favorite broadcast partner, Mr. Beverly Kamala, will be here with me to walk through the mean streets, the mean deserts of Africa, man. And I gotta ask you guys, I need you guys' help, because I changed Beverly Kamala. With your guys' help, I changed him for him to finally become a man. When there's good, there's always evil. When there's evil present, because of a bad internet connection. Can I get a witness about the bad internet connection? Yeah! I said, can I get a witness? Yeah! No, I need some help. I need your guys' help to introduce my man, my broadcast partner, Mr. Beverly Kamala. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest on World Championship Wrestling, it is set for one fall. Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. The sleep hold has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, event status radio. They're recording again. <laughs> Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Live from the offices of YouTube. And recorded live from the letters F through K. This is Mid Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, and joined by my podcast partner, representing the letters once again, 90210, <laughs> Mr. Beverly Thrills. Thrilling it up in the chilling hills. What's happening, Mr. Thrills? Not much, man. Recorded, uh, recorded live on Hollow, All Hallows Eve. It's the spookiest casts of them all. <laughs> Extremely spooky. We have people who won't retire. We have Ugandan headhunters. And we have Jesse Ventura's mullet. Just to put it all, skull it, I guess, to put it all together. So it is the spookiest of YouTube casts today. Talk about the spookiest of YouTube cast. Ho- hopefully you guys enjoyed your Halloween weekend last weekend. Hopefully you guys yes. re covered from your sugar highs and whatever other highs <laughs> might be. Oh, hey on. now. Hey now. You're an all-star. Get your game on. Oh, my Play. God. This is, this is a straight-edge cast. Yes. <laughs> so this is part two of YouTube A through Z. I thought last week went pretty well, Mr. Beverly Hills. I thought it went fantastic. I'm excited for this one. When I was looking at... Uh, just like the separations of all, I feel like this is kind of like our uh, so-called kind of main event cast. We got some some big names coming through on this one. 
So we might as well jump into it with our, well, I guess one of the big names. Our next letter yep. is the letter F, as in Flair, comma, Rick. Rick, yes, Flair, comma, Rick, you got it. So how would you explain to someone the wrestler Rick Flair? Oh, man. To explain Ric Flair is, I don't know, you need an anthology set. You need an encyclopedia because, I, you know, if you don't think Ric Flair is the greatest, you got to think top five. Uh, Just someone who was able to stand the test of time um, really kind of revolutionized how... Uh, heels acted, um, was able to transition from touring champion to uh, the new style, the 90s into today style of, of how wrestling is. Um, just just tremendous. I don't know. How about you? I feel like that, you know, you mentioned that Flair revolutionized pro wrestling. I feel like he helped change the art of promos during his oh yeah during his day you know especially during the eight you know especially in the eighties and early nineties that Flair was one of the best on the mic in the eighties you know he you know had also had guys like Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage also on his heels on the mic, but I feel like Flair like you said that if Flair isn't considered the greatest pro wrestler he's considered you know in the top five, I feel like it's the same way with Flair on the mic. If yeah, well, the, yeah. Greatest guy on the mic, he has to be considered one, one of the top five. Right. When I was saying that, like, he, you know, he revolutionized how heels talked and acted just the same way as a guy we'll see in a couple letters here revolutionized how good guys acted. And pretty much everyone within a 10 year period uh, coming up, like, like Trey Dent said a couple months ago when we had him. If you were a good guy, you started every promo with "Let me tell you something." And if you're a bad guy, you're wearing sunglasses, you're teasing your hair, you're doing everything like that. So I mean, you're these these two. That's why this is kind of like the main event, I guess, so called of of this series is, is these two really did change everything for you know a good fifteen, almost twenty year period after they they came about. So yeah. So let me tell you something, brother. Yeah. Let's talk about this promo that we watched with Ric Flair, dude. Right on. So this was definitely happened in the 80s. I want to say most likely, well, it was during the Jim Crockett Promotions days. Well, duh. Well, I'm just pointing out the <laughs> I feel like obvious. that's fairly obvious. Well, that's what I like to do. I like to point out the obvious, Jack. <laughs> So before I guess I point out some of the bullet points why I got out of this promo, I'm pretty positive you took down some lines that Ric Flair spout out during this promo. I did, man. He was just he was just firing in all cylinders because he. This is obviously like I like these promos in a bubble because it kind of tells us. Um, where everything's at like you can tell that he's this is one of his brief uh face runs here but flair's so good that even when he's a face he's like still got the heel dynamics on the back burner like he tells dusty Rhodes that he should 
stay out of his business because like Dusty's been helping him out because they're both on the on the good side right now. But he just Dusty stay out of my business. And then he's so he, there's these girls in the front row. Oh, and that's sorry. I loved how the promo opened up with yes. the ladies loving Ric Flair. They go slick Rick, and then he goes, "How about you say it again, slick <laughs> Rick." And then, like, they're, they're, like, chanting and yelling and stuff. He's like, okay, calm down. Be quiet. I got something to say. And then he, um, he runs down all the places that they're going to be. He's like, Philadelphia, Pensacola. They know how to treat women how they should be treated. And then uh, he goes on. He calls out Buddy Landell, who's being, you know, the new nature boy, whatever. And my the line that I wrote is, last year, I spent more on spilt liquor than you made. <laughs> well, that's, love that line. I love that great line. I felt like with that line Flair put over, how mu- I, the idea of how much many event wrestlers make. Sure, yeah. And, well, that's- uh, I'll put that, put that to the prestige of yeah, how much many event wrestlers make, and especially guys who hold the NWA World Heavyweight title. Right, and it, and again, it's just this like tier, like I'm I'm up here, you're down here, yeah. Um, and then I don't know if this would be the first time he's ever said said this. I I wouldn't go as far to say that, but he does his routine that has now become famous. I am the kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, jet flying, limousine riding, son of a gun. <laughs> always, always great, yeah. Yep, and uh, well, just lastly, gr- he takes off his shirt or he takes off his jacket, right? And he's wearing this polo shirt underneath, and he's freaking jacked, like th- he's huge. Um, and he flexes and he goes, "Girls, you want to know what's causing all of this? <laughs> Intensified beef products." <laughs> Oh, he says that Arn Anderson turned him on to these intensified beef products. <laughs> and he goes, I am all man, Ric Flair. And then he goes, woo, woo. And he walks off the stage. <laughs> I know one, one thing I really enjoyed about Flair 80s promos, especially during this one, that how much or how Flair calls out the guys who's gunning after, after him and his world title. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. He, one of the best at, running down six different guys in in one promo. You know, here we get three, but he could he could call out anybody. You know, obviously his his main feud here is Buddy Landell. That's what's happening on uh TV, but he's got Dusty Rhodes on the back burner. Nikita's the one who's really getting a push right now, so he'll eventually he'll eventually get to Nikita Koloff. You know, he he can call out many different guys and that's what's tremendous. And I feel like, you know, with when Flair mentions Nikita Koloff or Buddy Landell in his promos, I feel like he helps bring them up and make them seem important for the viewers at home. Sure. At least that's, that's what I got out of it. And I just, you know, I feel like Flair, especially in this promo, see, being a world heavyweight champion makes that you make more money than anybody else in the business. And that's one thing I enjoyed about Flair heel promos, that he makes... It makes makes even though this wasn't a heel promo. Well, anyway, <laughs> but I just feel like they'll. Well, Flair, I feel like gives people. I, I guess I already mentioned this, but it gives people the illusion of 
why you want to be in the main event picture, gunning for the world title, if not being the world heavyweight champion, because you make the most money. Right. Yeah, I just thought in at the end of the day, this is a three-minute promo, and he got over so much. You know, he was able to run down where they're going to be going in the next few weeks. He was able to symbolize his feuds. He got his character over. I don't know what else he can do. And he had three minutes to do it. <laughs> Something I felt like had, you know, about three minutes or give or take a little bit more is the match that we watched with Ric Flair in it. It's Ric Flair challenging the WWE Undisputed Champion, Hulk Hogan. You got it. This is from Monday Night Raw, I want to say April 2002, end of April, early June. Don't seem right. Exactly. So, yeah, Hogan won the Undisputed title from Triple H at Backlash 2002. They lost the title to The Undertaker at Judgment Day 2002, so Hogan didn't have that like th- four week four week run with the undisputed title back in 2002. Okay. So just to kind of give a little bit of backstory about this, then I know this w- was also in the or shortly after the brand extension. Yes. Uh, with Flair and McMahon, you know, Flair being the quote unquote owner of Raw and McMahon being the quote unquote owner of SmackDown and all that. Right. And I guess I want you know before we get into the match, I want to get your thoughts on the whole owner of Raw and owner of SmackDown storyline WWE did for a month and a half, two months in 2002? Um, I mean, it was fine. It, it was nice to not have it all be McMahon's just feuding with themselves, um, yeah. which had already gotten old in 01 and would get increasingly old as you know time would go by. But uh, it, it's nice to have somebody else in it. Um, I still even feel in O2 that the who's going to be GM, owner, whatever the hell you want to say, is already played out. And it's just gotten even more played out over the next 13 years. But, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, I totally agree that, I, you know, for the first, I guess, you know, talk about the brand extension, the first few years I enjoyed it much past i want to say 2005 2006 i felt like i wasn't really that impressed with their brand extension because it was easily noticed that raw was a a show and they couldn't really care less about smackdown yeah as time went on that's yeah, true. As time went on and at least for, i felt like at least for the first few years they tried to have the brand extension as being on equal footing yeah i'd agree with you so, Ric Flair came out in his blue robe, which made me smile. Why? I don't know. I, I enjoy Flair's blue robe that he wore for this for this match. Sweet. I like the blue. I like the red one, too. That came, that was one of his more famous ones, too, as, as his career went on. And since, you know, during our, during our Great American Bash of the Beach tour, you mentioned that you have a good ear for dubbing. Did you notice the overdub for Hulk Hogan's theme song for this match? No, it wasn't overdub. Yes, it was. No, it H- wasn't. H- Hogan came out to Voodoo Child during this time. Okay. Just, just saying. But they were, like, singing along to it. 
to Real American. I guess I swore Hogan came. They out. were singing along to it when he's whenever he was red and yellow. They came out to it. I guess I swore he came out to uh, Voodoo Child because I remember back. Uh, oh, during that time, the SmackDown versus Raw game. I thought, or SmackDown here comes to pay. So you're basing it on the SmackDown game. At least what I can recall, I swore Hogan came out to uh, Voodoo Child back then. I can't believe you're basing it on the game. Well, who else do I based on? You know, Triple H. Actually, the, what happened? Triple Triple H is the game, and he he is a he is a standard bearer of everything. Oh my gosh! I can't just what? Whatever, Mister Beverly Hills. It hurts my just heart. What else hurts your heart, Mr. Bipper? This is not overdub, no. You sure? Yes, because you can hear the... You always just got to hear the announcers. Whenever... This is how I've trained my ear. You got to listen to the fans and listen to the announcers. That's the, the thing, is whenever they overdub, the people fade out. Because I know during the WCW series uh, that... Uh, DDP seems like it was overdubbed. He was starting to use a self high five theme song. Right toward the end, yes. Okay, no, I this sh- is this is what's playing. Yeah, that's what's playing in the arena. Oh, real American? Yes, definitely. My so well, whatever. So might as well kick it to you for the match. Okay, so yeah, I was extremely happy to hear it, and it was what was playing. And Hogan came out on motorcycle, <laughs> which was pretty cool. Um, we get a stare down from these two, and what I noticed is that these two were in like insane shape. Um, and uh, yeah, so Flair, so Hogan dominates early. He's he's pushing him down. He's shoulder blocking him. Uh, all that. Um, Flair hilariously runs outside and I'm like, what's he doing? He kicked the announcer's table. He grabbed a chair and then he ran in and uh, started shoving Charles Robinson. Uh, thoughts uh, on that? Always enjoy seeing Flair do the shoving match with with uh, the referee <laughs> just to get a reaction out of the fans, even though I felt like the fans were into this match and into both guys and the run-ins later on in the match. The, um, the fans loved this. They, they absolutely just went ape for this. This is in Toronto. If we, uh, yeah, we haven't said, but yeah, this is in Toronto and they're just going crazy. Well, yeah, um, Toronto, this match, the whole thing. So like Toronto is what always, like is always been one of Hogan's big, Big towns and big supporters. Whenever Hogan came through, yeah, well, yeah, and I think we mentioned this either that this match happened the Raw before Judgment Day two thousand two when Hogan was supposed to face Taker for the for the undisputed title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is on five thirteen. I just uh, found that okay, and so it'd be yeah a couple um couple weeks before then um what would be happening. So uh, continuing here, so Flair is throwing Flair chops just to Hogan, and it's just not not happening. Oh, and yeah, that's Hogan was no-selling them, yeah. Yeah. Um, we got a spot that I guess I don't see very often um, 
from Hogan, which is the ten punches in the corner. I guess I don't recall that. <laughs> I laugh because I laugh because uh, when Hogan was doing the ten punches, I thought of, thought of Jim Ross hating the ten punches in the corner. Oh God, spot. that's right. Jeez, and then you thought about me just wanting to slap <laughs> do ten do ten punches in the corner yes. to Jim Ross. <laughs> That made me chuckle, especially since Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are our announce team for this match. <laughs> yeah, he was just like boiling in his seat. <laughs> He's like, he should be knocked out. He should be knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking about the 10 punches in the corner spot. One thing I really enjoyed about Ric Flair is uh, the low blow spot that he hit. Hogan on Hogan with you know he the flair kind of pulled Charles Robinson into both of them, then yeah low blowed Hogan just for Charles Robinson couldn't see the low blow. I really enjoy seeing villains cheat like that. Right, and that always um, makes me think Flair doing that always makes me think of actually you mentioned it earlier, but the SmackDown here comes the pain yeah. game. Which I wanted to be Flair, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then all of Flair's offensive moves are cheats. It's either um, the low blow like he did, or the one where he turns around and he kicks him in the nuts, oh, or like the, the eye mule, poke. Like the mule kicks. Nuts you, have the, you have the mule kick one. So it's just so like all – and I'm like, really? Ric Flair sucks in this game. <laughs> so – um, yeah, at this point, Hogan's bandana finally falls off. <laughs> oh, brother, my bandana fall off, brother. Brother, you don't want to see my bald head. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Flair was able to hit an eye poke and a knee kick. And then uh, Hulk Hogan locked on literally one of the ugliest figure fours I've ever seen. I, I always cringe when I see Hogan try to put on the figure four spot because, he, like I said, it just doesn't look right when Hogan tries to put it on. It's definitely not the worst figure four I've ever seen Hulk Hogan put on. There have been worse. There were worse than WCW, but it was pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah. So we got a Hulk up moment. We got the big you. And then, <laughs> so we knocked him down. We got a big boot. We got a leg drop, but. X-Pac ran in before little Nate was able to count the three. Yes. And yes. and yeah, during this time too that yeah, Flair was the heel authority figure on Raw and he's having a alliance with the NWO being X Pac, Big Show, and Kevin Nash at this time. Right, and I was gonna mention earlier because it- there were a lot of signs that were anti-Flair, and I was thinking, oh, we must have just turned. And yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, because I think, if I remember correctly, going up at Judgment Day 2002, it would be Ric Flair and the Big Show in a handicap match taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm, sure. Okay, because, uh, so X-Pac... Is be is able to be fought off by Hogan. Big Show came out, and out of nowhere comes Bradshaw's main event push. Yeah, Gene and he takes, came out yeah. and chased out Big Show and X Pac. Then Steve Austin came down. Came down when all the heels ran off and gave Ric Flair the Stone Cold Stunner. And yeah, 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 put on the Stone Cold st- or yeah, hit Flair with the Stunner. Right. Yep. Then Hogan hit the leg drop, and that's it. 
So, and which made, made me laugh when uh, after Austin ran off that Hogan was cupping the ear and Jim Ross yelled out, Hogan, give the fans a leg drop. <laughs> right on. If the fans want to see the leg drop, JR wants to see the leg drop. So, yeah, like you said, Hogan is the winner, still our undisputed WWE champion. And ready this match, two and a half stars. Yeah, I went two and a half too. You know, it was it was pretty slow throughout. It was very by the numbers, but and you know, usually I get on you for this, but it was a really fun match. The crowd helped. Yeah. That's the part that I usually get get on you, but it it was super fun. And seeing these two go through their by the numbers spot, if anybody can do it and still have me enjoy their match, it's these two. Yeah, I felt, um, I felt like that. The, you know, with the crowd that these two didn't really have to do that much yes. in, in this match, and the crowd was eating out of their out of the other hands and all that. Yes, they were. They certainly were. They were able to, you know, do what they wanted. And I mean, the stuff at the end kind of marred it for me, but I get that it's on Raw, so you're not going to get a super clean finish. But you I know. felt like in ways it it advanced the. Some of the storylines and all that. And, oh, yeah, definitely. And Especially like, if we're like a week and a half away from Judgment Day, which we were. So, And like you said that in 2002, Bradshaw's main event push did come out of nowhere because they needed some top good guys on Raw on for Raw. whatever yep. reason. Yeah. Yep. So we go to our next letter, the letter G. Yes. As in... Giant Gonzalez. Yes, Gonzalez, comma, giant. <laughs> yeah, right on. So this was one G was tremendously hard for me. And if there's like a glaring G, I'm sorry. But I looked and looked and looked, and G was one of the hardest ones. And I saw freaking giant Gonzalez. I'm like, all right, looks I, like this is what it is. I guess I'd rather do a giant Gonzalez match over a glacier match. Glacier, yeah, could have done glacier. That was when I was like, "Hey, we just did the WCW series." So, yeah. Oh, and by the way, we we should say you were behind the flare pick. That was one of the few yes. that you you wanted to see. So, um, but yeah. So, Giant Gonzalez. All right, we'll introduce this promo so, here before we do this promo. Okay. What comes to mind when you think of Giant Gonzalez? Uh, butt crack. I think of. The fur on his bodysuit. Sure, fair enough. And one thing I didn't like about his bodysuit is what we saw in this promo than what we saw in this in the match. One, there's actual fur. <laughs> the other one's just airbrushed fur. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, this is not the butt crack one. This is one that has a fur loincloth and then fur other spots. So, Thank yeah. You. <laughs> so yeah, this promo was you know started out with Harvey Wimpleman and John Gonzalez in the ring. Yes, and Harvey was going off saying that that he lined up thirty men who were supposed to face John Gonzalez tonight, but they hit the road running when they found out <laughs> that they had to face the Giant Gonzalez. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know about either of the choices here. I don't know if obviously John Gonzalez is a terrible wrestler and everything so that that's obviously a bad choice but man even like harvey whippleman as a choice for like a quasi main event push woof yeah not not the best but 
then again, during this would have been what ninety three ish. Yeah, it's ninety three. Who else would have been a good pairing for John Gonzalez for a manager since I feel like I'm sure you would agree with me this, here too that Gonzalez needed a mouthpiece. Oh yeah, of course. Well, I mean Bobby's still there. True. Yeah, so Bobby could have. I guess Bobby would have probably would have, would have been the best choice. Yeah, because he's with Narcissist, so he was there. He was able to be used in 93. Um, to be honest, anybody, anyone is better. I don't, well, oh, no, sorry. Anybody's better than Giant Gonzalez Yeah. <laughs> for that choice. But if you're going to use him, I don't know. I just think Harvey Whippleman never worked. I just don't think he ever really worked as a, like, high-level manager. You know, he worked in you know with the birth of face stuff he worked with some you know really low level things but ever trying to like pull him up toward the main event in my opinion really didn't ever work birth of face always be mine you're the rainbow i pray i find but yes we also talk about uh did I have to talk about the match? Oh, come on, man. Undertaker, when I find you, I will bury you. Ha, 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 Yeah, um, well, I <laughs> guess I really didn't take much of the promo other than how tall John Gonzalez was, because I think he was legit, I think, 7'6 or something like that. Oh, right uh, yeah, maybe not quite that tall, but yeah. Because well, he did play in the NBA. He played for the... Uh, um. For the Atlanta Hawks, and that's why. So, Tur- Ted Turner owned the uh, owned the Atlanta Hawks, and and had brought in brought in El Gigante, or sorry, Jorge Gonzalez, as a center to to play basketball, right? But he um, sucked, yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, well you know, maybe we should pull him over to wrestling so that they gave him a shot. Okay, it looks like he is 7'3". Okay. Yeah, because I thought if I remember correctly, WCW built him as 7'6". I think in WWF he was built as 8'4". So. Yes, which is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's WWE, so what do you expect? True. Well, I, my favorite, though, was when he debuted, Bobby said that he was 10 feet tall. <laughs> oh, Bobby Heenan. He's got to be 10 feet tall. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so, so yes, this match. Is John Gonzalez taking on Jim Powers from... Right, from the same night, by the way. Interestingly enough. Then, uh, yeah, it's Jim Powers. In, in This happened at WWF All-American Wrestling. Yep. yep from March day. 14th, 1993. Right. And our announced team for this match was the great Sean Mooney in the awesomeness Lord Alfred Hayes. This was really an interesting pairing, Sean Mooney and Lord Alfred Hayes. What's your thoughts on these two for this match? I mean, in this match, they were fine. Uh, I guess I can't, I didn't, I don't really have too many nits to pick on this one with them. Okay, I know I, I think it's some super tapes that I have from WWF back in this time. I I have some few matches with, with these two and, they're they're not that bad, sure. You know, but I can't imagine that they're good. Yeah, I you know if I had to watch, I don't know a three hour wrestling show with these <laughs> my commentators, I might tune out 
you know, might put on mute after a few matches, but yeah, I, I mean, I think Mooney's uh, Mooney was best used in the event center, yeah. uh, and uh, yeah, I think that was just his best spot. And Lord Alfred was his best spot was saying promotional consideration paid for by the following. <laughs> then I know we were talking about the John Gonzalez's height. I yep. felt like it was scary seeing his waistline being you know, lined up with the top rope. Yeah, well, I just thought, you know, we've seen tall guys, and I, and I guess really the only match that I have consistently watched with with John Gonzalez would be his match with The Undertaker. But, man, the size difference really is striking. Uh, you know, seeing Jim Powers come up to, like, his belly button was like, wow. Yeah, like... I don't know how anybody could r- try to do a match with the giant since he's that giant. He's that sure. huge. Yeah, sure. And, and I mean, just in general, man, he's a huge guy. Huge guy. But yeah, so, only thing I took was just the finish. So. Right. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot. It was he hit a, a head vice throw. Um hit some some chops some you know big big hits or whatever yeah and then he just finished up with a with a big choke slam yeah then really i found that funny that he choke slammed him had his hand covering him then he you know used jim powers just to push up to stand up then he put his foot on him right because he did the he did the choke slam the version of it where you take him all the way to the ground like we've seen, I guess has became pop, more popular in the recent years, fifteen twenty years, because of the Big Show's choke slam, which is a let him go. This one is where he brings his hand all the way to the bottom. Yeah, and like he said, instead of just holding his hand, he stands back up, puts his foot on him, and pins him. <laughs> the winner is John Consolos, and I rated this match one tenth one tenth of a star. <laughs> this is a dud for me. This is a dud. Uh, not a lot. I mean, obviously, it's not really a. There's not really much there, and then what is there isn't good. Yeah, so. I, I already this uh, one tenth of a star just because I was amazed on, like I already said, how the how the middle rope only came up to his waistline. <laughs> that's I was just amazed at that. That's only always why this kind of hit the Richter scale just by a tad. Sure, I thought maybe just like you were all about the fur. If I was all about the fur. I'll be about the letter H. What? No, this is one of those transitions. What does fur have to do with this next one? Absolutely nothing, brother. Yeah, so think of something else for, those, for that transition, <laughs> Bad man. transitions, I know. That's one yep. thing I'm great at is bad transitions in my ring bell. Oof. So the next letter is H as in the true Triple H, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, brother. <laughs> yes. Yes, Mr. Hogan. Then, like I did with Ric Flair, if you had to describe Hulk Hogan as somebody, how would you do so? Someone who revolutionized pro wrestling, changed what it meant to be to be a fan of pro wrestling, uh, brought it to brought it the kids, main- brought it to the kids, yeah. Brought it, brought it mainstream? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I guess if I had to describe Hogan that, like you said, you know, brought it to the kids, help help popularize it from, you know, kind of I guess regional, back in the '80s to national to world to world worldwide phenomenon that we have today. 
Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, Hogan. I have to admit, Hogan was the the initial thrust that got me to become a pro wrestling fan. Sure. Yeah, me too. He was my big first favorite. So the promo we got was a uh, WrestleMania Five report with Mean Gene Orkland kicking it to Hulk Hogan in regards to the uh, build up between Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania Five. Yes. Yep. We're gearing up for WrestleMania Five here, where the sexy saxophone leads us in, and Gene <laughs> tells us what's coming up for WrestleMania Five here. So I feel like the main point here in the Hogan promo was Macho Man. In order to Hogan, Macho Man getting jealous of Hogan because Hogan said that he loved Miss Elizabeth as a sister, and Macho twisted Hogan's words, brother. I think the main thing out of this pro is cancer. He says yeah. cancer about <laughs> 80 times. That you got cancer inside of you, uh, Randy Savage, in his jealousy, brother. I guess that's it's more in, uh, more my Ventura impersonation yeah. than my Hogan. It's in your ribs, dude, man, and it's going to go and it's going to eat your pectorals and it's going to get into your throat and then it's going to go into your brain and I'll pull your life support, brother. Yeah, then Hogan didn't mention <laughs> that. It's the jealousy that will be the demise of Macho Man. I saw the demons in your eyes, Macho Man. And in a way, he's watching this couple minute clip ways I kind of got an itch to go back and watch their rewatch the WrestleMania 5 match sure yeah well it's still one of the better feuds uh, that uh, at mainstream level of all time I'd say but if I re- do rewatch the WrestleMania 5 match I don't know if I really want to watch the whole WrestleMania 5 card again oh gosh yeah it's like 20 hours long if if I do, I have to uh, force you to watch it with me again, just for <laughs> just for we can take more hashtag Jesse Proverbs. Yes, right. Yep. <laughs> so we must well talk about the uh, match for this for Hulk Hogan. It's Hulk Hogan again defending his undisputed WWE Championship this time on SmackDown against Chris Jericho. Yeah, apparently the YouTube algorithm loved. Hulk Hogan's five-week title run because <laughs> I, was YouTube invented around this time? I don't know because we got a, a ton of views um, or searches or something because, yeah, in this five-week title run, there are the top hit for Hulk Hogan and the top hit for Ric Flair are from this little period of his face turn in 2002. Well, yeah, because when I you know, pulled up this, this match, I was thinking, Okay, I know whenever I type in Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair, I get the Ric Flair versus, versus Hogan match that we yep. just reviewed. I was thinking, okay, was this match with Jericho, like Hogan's like number two match or something like that? Yeah, it's something like that. It's it's either the first or the second, so yeah. Anyway, uh. anyway yeah, Hogan's defending the undisputed title against Chris Jericho, and I think this match happened a little bit before the Flair match. Yeah, because this one's only 10 days after Backlash. Okay, yeah, so, up, yeah. So. so yeah, so kind of put it in perspective then. Mm-hmm. And I know Michael Cole at the beginning of the clip mentions, tells us that Jericho's been waiting since WrestleMania 18 for a sh- one-on-one, sh- one-on-one title match for the Undisputed title. Since uh, Jericho lost the Undisputed title at WrestleMania 18 against Triple H. And 
mm-hmm. even though Jericho did get a title shot on the brand extension edition of Monday Night Raw, but it was a triple threat match also featuring Stephanie McMahon. Okay. So. I Yeah, I thought this match is very um, emblematic of 2002-2003 WWE. Yeah. And not in a good way. Yeah, I can see that, but I don't want... If I remember correctly, I think this was one of Jericho's favorite matches that he ever had. I I think just because it was with Hogan. Yeah, I give him no credit on that one. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I don't know. I think that's just him, like, saying it. I got to think he really feels differently because, man, he's getting just screwed real bad here. Um, Jericho? Yeah. Yeah. I I think he's being treated awfully. Um, You know, Hogan takes 99% of this match. It's not good. And all of it is is a backdrop for Triple H to look good. Yeah, that's one thing that you know I mentioned you know off here that off here and about this match was Triple H that I I, I can understand Triple H coming down to the ring interfering with Jericho because yeah, this is again leading up to their Judgment Day 2002 match where Jericho and Triple H were going to end their feud inside Hell in a Cell. And I just hated Triple H coming down, just you know, distracting Jericho and all that. Then coming, you know, going to the announcers booth, sitting down with Michael Cole and Taz, who were our were our announcers for this match. Then, like, I don't know, thirty seconds a minute into him coming midway through the match, Triple H said, "Oh, is it me or did?" Did he get cold in here? Do you feel the yeah. presence, guys? And right. Then, like a couple seconds later, we hear the Undertaker's theme song hit. Yes, yeah, and, and he didn't come out, but but yeah, the just you know, Jericho gets nothing. Any time he gets an advantage, it's cut off really quickly by Hogan. Um, you know, I was fine with Hogan taking most of the flair match because you know flair at this point is mostly a non-wrestler but i don't think he should be taking most of the jericho match and he didn't just take most of it he took pretty much all of it uh i I don't know i just didn't really i didn't really like the story and i feel bad for jericho because he's coming off of you know being the first undisputed champion and he's just nothing there was a sign that said jericho as a has-been and uh it could have been planted by the the powers that be because that's how they're treating him. Well, because I was going to say, if I remember correctly, during this time, that was one of the big storylines after Jericho lost the undisputed title at WrestleMania was Jericho as a has-been that, you know, to kind of feed or feed into your view about Chris Jericho in this match at Backlash, you know, the pay-per-view after WrestleMania, Jericho did not even have a match scheduled for that card that he came out midway through the pay-per-view and ranted on the microphone for a few minutes about like, what the hell I was in the main event match at WrestleMania the, you know, month prior as the walking as a world champion. And now I get absolutely nothing on this card. Right. I just think uh, it's really disappointing. I just think like he doesn't, he deserves better treatment than this. And, you know, kind of talk about Jericho that Jericho, you can easily tell during this time in 2002 that 
WWE doesn't have their wellness policy or anything going on because how jacked Jericho Oh my was. gosh. Oh my gosh. That's, I wrote the same note. I wrote, this is clearly pre-wellness. Yes. This one, also the Flair one, because Flair was freaking jacked too. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple weeks later. Yes, yes, yes. Then, uh, see, the finish came when... See, yeah, that, well, yeah, Jericho is going to punch Hogan. Yeah, Hogan starts to punch himself to the, you, punch spot and all that. <laughs> Send Jericho in the ropes, hit him with the big boot, taunts the crowd, leg drops him. One, two, three, and that's it? Is that the finish? No? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, sorry. No, the finish is uh, Undertaker's music plays oh, yeah, that's and, right, yeah. and Hulk rolls him up. Yeah, that's right. The Great distraction finish. <laughs> yes. So our winner is Hulk Hogan, the reigning and defending WWE Undisputed Champion. And I know I rated this match higher than you, but rated this match two stars. I know I rated higher. I went two and three quarters. Uh, I thought, so that's my thing is like, I even took note of this because I wanted to say it. In a bubble... This is a perfectly fine match. If you yeah. were if you were just to watch this, if in a bubble, it's a perfectly fine match. But I really hate everything else about it. Yeah, uh, I hate the booking of it. I hate the finish. I hate Triple H's involvement. Yeah, I was also going to rate, rate this two and three, four stars as well. But I had to dump, bump it down to two stars because of Triple H on the mic. You know, okay, fair enough. It gives him having to call out the, the Undertaker distraction finish that he obviously planted. Yeah. That it just... Now why, why why did he need to say that? Like, yeah, that's that's what bothered me. That's why I had to you so know, race the three-fourths of the star that I originally gave this match because because of that. I didn't feel like... It's one thing the Triple H should come down and, you know, to his theme song, distract Jericho and all that and come and join the announce team, but... I thought it's a completely different having to say, oh, I've, this arena feels cold. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. Triple H, suck it. <laughs> so we get the next letter I, and I'm not surprised who the choice is for the letter I, Mr. Beverly. Well, there, first off, there's not a lot, okay? Fair so enough. give So give me a little credit on that one. Yes, but... The ice train. Um, by the way, yes. Is it me or does it seem a little cooler in here? Well, see, this one, it would actually work. Well, I had to. I had to for ice train. By the way, go on YouTube, look for the ice train theme, and then there's a mashup of Ice Train's theme and Teddy Long's theme. That's funny. That's <laughs> funny. Oh, it's so good. It's like, he called the Mac Militant. <laughs> oh, it's good. That would be a great manager wrestler duo. Is Ice uh, it was. And, oh, it was. It was, yeah. Uh, it would be great if, if Teddy Long would have brought Ice Train into WWE like 2002, 2003. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Ice Train kind of let himself go by that point, yeah, so it wouldn't be too good. Okay. And when you, what's the first thing you think about when you think of the Ice Train? 
Uh, I mean, his song. Okay, for me, it's a big bodybuilder. Sure. Yeah, like a power lifter type. Yeah, power yeah. lifter, yeah. So the promo that we get for this match wasn't really much of a promo. It was uh, Jesse the Body arm wrestling finals on WCW Power Hour. Yes. With with uh, Ice Train and WCW champion Vader. Yeah, and man, I got to say that Ice Train being in the finals is kind of an upset, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, do you know who else was in this tournament? Uh, Davy Boy Smith was in it. I saw that. That's who Vader beat to get to the finals. Now I wish I would have taken a screenshot because they, they did show the um, the brackets, but I did not take okay. note. The way I'm surprised, you know, especially the you said that Vader beat Davy Boy to get into the finals, I'm surprised it wasn't Davy Boy versus Vader in the finals. Sure. Yeah, I mean, because usually you would want to use this type of thing to um, set up some type of feud, and they they certainly didn't do that. But, I mean, Vader was coming up on, you know, facing Flair at Starcade, so maybe that's why. Um, but, yeah. Tell me your thoughts on the, the hair that Jesse the Body was rocking for this match. It was ridiculous. Uh, he's completely bald, except for this pelt hanging off the back of his head. Was that an 80s thing, or was that just Jesse being Jesse? That's a Jesse thing. Uh, it's kind of like the mullet, but taken to the extreme. Because this is in 1993, so yeah. it's beyond when those were really their height of the popularity. And for me, I felt like arm wrestling matches are very boring, or can be <laughs> very boring. Right now, well, this was Jesse's thing, right? Like, this was yeah. his deal. This was one of the things that he, like, personally championed when he got to WCW that he wanted to add. Was was this Jesse, the Ven- Jesse Ventura... Um, Invitational arm wrestling competition. Because when Jesse was still in the WWF, I swore he he had like some kind of Jesse the Body award or whatever that Rick Rude won for the only year that it was available and so and all that. So I feel like this was uh, another spin off of that in WCW. And like you said, when Jesse jumped to WCW for the few years, right? Uh huh. Yeah. The yeah the Jesse the Body event, the Jesse the Body award. That was like a. That was more like a bodybuilding thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Vader won this arm wrestling match. Yeah, it was it was back and forth, but Vader eventually takes it takes it at the end. And yeah, when Vader won, Ice Train disappeared right away, and yeah, uh, he did. Man, he just like vanished into thin air. And Harley Race <laughs> cut a promo at the end. Uh huh. Yep. I didn't take any notes on it, but whatever. Not really, just saying that or there wasn't really much. It was he was just saying that Vader, you know, was the champion. He proved that he's also the the strongest. He has the strongest arms in the world. Um that he is going to, you know, beat Flair, and that's what Vader said as well, that he's gonna beat Flair at Starcade. So the match we have featuring Ice Train is him taking on Johnny Stevens from WCW. Saturday night. Yes. 
did you take note on when this hap- when this match aired or ta- was taped or anything? This is earlier in 93. Okay. Or, or shoot. It, well, it's in, I don't know. I guess I didn't. Sorry. Yeah. This is when my computer erased all my notes. Okay. Well, um, uh, but, yeah, I have a few. I guess to or, me, I don't have any, but, but to, to me watching this match, Ice Train reminded me a lot of Biggie nowadays. Yeah, they're, well, they're very similar in in stature. Uh, I think Big E moves about better. Yeah, def- definitely. That, yeah, just I know we saw. Yeah, I guess yeah. When I was watching this match, it right away. Yeah, I clicked that. Yeah, Big E and I was trying to look. Like I said, body wise, look a lot alike. Yes, no, that's certainly true. They're both stocky. They're both very well built. You know, guys. And talk about body wise. I felt embarrassed. <laughs> For Johnny Stevens, bodyguards look up next to the ice train, and even whoever's on commentary—I can't recall right now—but whoever was on commentary is like, "Here's two big guys, two good bodies." And they're like, "Johnny Stevens, come on!" <laughs> yeah, not not so much. Yeah, yeah, not so much on the Johnny Stevens tip there. Then the finish came when ice train ice whipped. Uh, Johnny Stevens into the ropes and caught him with a power slam for the pinfall victory. Huge power slam. Good-looking power slam. And I did mention in my notes that I find it a little bit ironic, if not funny, that the match was just as long as entrances. (laughs) Pretty much right. Yeah. Oh, man. So the winner is Ice Train. I read this match. Ice Cold Dud. Uh, I gotta go dud on this one as well. To me, the match didn't do anything for me. It was a squash match to build up Ice Train. So, yeah. Yeah, not a, not a ton. Not a ton. Well, they were, oh, and what they were building up to, we might mention, is this match between Ice Train and Ron Simmons that was coming up. Because was it Ron Simmons? Yeah, Ron Simmons was WCW champion right around that time, too. So oh, is he champ? Of- I don't know if there was, yeah. It I didn't seem like they were saying that. But. I can't remember, you know, like, I guess, yeah, same here. I didn't catch the ma- the date of when this match happened or was aired or anything, so. Sure. What not? Okay. So the next letter in the alphabet is the letter J. Yes. in Johnson, comma, Rocky. Yep, Rocky Johnson. You got it. What do you think of when you hear the name Rocky Johnson? Soul Man. I think of his son, The Rock. I give him more credit than that. Yeah. Well, I guess <laughs> I, this was, why well, I can remember, this was the first match I ever watched of Rocky Johnson for the series. Okay. So I probably watched, I've watched a, a few, but not a ton. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was interested when I seen that Rocky Johnson was the pick for the series. I was excited to see what, see what he had to offer in our, right. in our series and all that. So the promo that we got was Rocky Johnson appearing on Piper's Pit with Roddy Piper. Yes. And it seemed like these two already had a backstory leading up to this Piper's Pit and all that. Right. They got something going on. This is from 84. Um, They are, you know, kind of feuding. uh, Rocky Johnson is sick of hearing Piper always insulting him. Is kind of the story. Yeah. That uh, Piper sorry. tried to insult Johnson right away, and Johnson got up and, you know, scolded Piper and slapped him. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
Yep, and after he slaps him, some jobbers come out to uh, stop Rocky, and that allows Piper to kind of try to jump on it uh, and and try throwing throwing a punch, but uh, it stops pretty quickly. They're they're pulled apart fairly quickly. Yeah, and I feel like in this pro in this Piper's Pit promo that Rocky Johnson really didn't get much of a chance to show off any charisma or any skills on the mic. Oh yeah, he didn't really yeah, it was it was fairly short. Yeah. And the match that we get featured Roddy Piper versus Rocky Johnson from June nineteen eighty four from the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. Yes, the Cap Center, yep. And I took note that I feel like the arena announcer sounded a lot like Tide Pettingale. Okay. Well, definitely wasn't. Yeah. But it sure could have sounded like him. And uh, and we only get Gorilla Monsoon. Be the yeah. One man booth for this match. Yeah, an interesting solo gorilla por- performance here. And On uh, super superstars. I didn't On ca- USA Network, he's talking yeah. about USA Network. So, so it uh, must be. I guess I didn't catch on what sh- what show this was for, though. Sure. And well, yeah, I guess I felt like it was interesting. It, it was interesting to hear Gorilla all by himself for you know and all that. And I felt like Gor- Gorilla wasn't, for me at least, wasn't as annoying as Joy Styles was at times in ECW for me. Okay. You, you said it was similar, or what? No, Sorry. no. I feel like Gorilla wasn't as bad because I feel one thing that is hard for me to go back and watch or rewatch some old ECW shows was Joey Styles never really given much of a chance for the mask to breathe in regards to not not giving not giving uh, breaks enough for viewers at home to watch the match like Gorilla did here. Okay, I guess I can't agree. Oh, I can't agree. Uh, maybe we've watched different Joey Styles commentated matches. I think. I think that. I guess I thought that was one of his big strengths is that he wasn't always talking over it, and there'd be like kind of long, uh, long silent periods. But okay, yeah, like it's, like you said, it must be just the could have been different. Whatever ones. I watched that could have been different ones. Yeah, whatever. So uh, I felt like. One of the main stories of this match was Piper stalling for time yeah. uh, not wanting to actually lock up with Rocky Johnson. Yes, big stalling here. This is definitely one of those um, one of those matches that was definitely for the people in the stands, uh, you know, to really get after Piper for, for running around and not confronting uh, Rocky and uh, all that kind of all that kind of jazz. Um, but it, it was really also one of those examples of a match where the buildup and the stalling makes for that final confrontation to mean that much more and to be, you know, really a a big deal. Because once they finally locked up in that test of strength, the crowd went nuts. Yeah. Now, talk about the test, test of strength. Gorilla questions why Piper would try to <laughs> would try to do that with Johnson and. It's like Gorilla was pointing out how stupid Piper was for Piper was for going through with the test of strength. What's your? I guess I want to get your thoughts on announcers 
in a way, is con out the stupidity of the villains on doing stuff like that. I think that would be ideal. Okay. Uh, I guess I just got kind of a uh, bad rub off of that, but I guess... Really? Why? Tell, explain. Explain. I just thought the tone of voice Gorilla was using during that point was trying to insult Piper, but I guess that was also part of Gorilla's job was to do that. I think that's exactly what he's trying to do. I guess I just wasn't... He is the baby face, Piper's the heel. I wasn't impressed with Rocky Johnson's performance in the Piper's Pit segment, and I wasn't impressed with... So what does that have to do with Gorilla? (laughs) And I wasn't that impressed with Rocky Johnson's performance here in this match. But again, what does that have to do with Gorilla? What does that have to do with uh, the talking down part? That's what I want to talk about. Like, What does it have to do with the part of Gorilla talking down Piper? I guess nothing. Okay. But I, I guess well, I've been, I'm trying to stay away from my fallback lines in all that sense. It's not fair, but I know I guess I just... For whatever reason, I can't put it. I can't find a logical reason like why, it. but That's fine. it just for whatever reason it rubbed me off the wrong way. When All I right, watched fine. That just, match. Yeah, just didn't dig it. That's fine. So, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, I guess I think that's a that's a key part of wrestling commentary is where we're not just calling it like a like a sports event, and we are putting in our you know thoughts and and our biases and all that. I think that's a key component of. Of wrestling commentary, but I, I guess I. Well, I guess you know, in, you know, I just thought of it. Help! I feel like if it wasn't for Jim Ross during the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know that you know Jim Ross putting in in his two cents on putting over Steve Austin. I don't know if Steve Austin would have gotten over as well with the fans at home as he did. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, announcers are a key component. Uh, and if they just call it straight, yeah, I don't know. So how, I guess I don't know how you get Piper over as a heel without him throwing in those points. I don't know. I guess like, like I said, I just, I, for some reason, I just didn't dig it when, when I watched this match. Uh, All right. I think it's just because you like Piper and you don't like Rocky Johnson. Yeah. I think, yeah. So I had my Mm -hmm. bias because of that gorilla. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it. The the big, you know, big point of this match, so we got them in this test of strength, and Piper tries to... It, first off, I don't think I've ever seen a test of strength get as far as this one did. Usually the heel will, will uh-huh. kick the guy yeah. in the gut far before it gets to this point, but, you know, Johnson was able to, you know, really, really succeed and win in this uh, this test of strength, but Piper tries to headbutt him, to no avail, then Johnson headbutts Piper and Piper goes flying. Uh, yeah, and that I don't know, almost, almost immediately from that we kind of get to the finish here. Yeah, the finish happened when Piper went into his tights when the ref had his back to him and grabbed some uh, quote unquote brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, you couldn't see, but that's I guess right. a good thing, a good uh, camera work and great work from Piper. Mm-hmm. Uh, then yeah, he laid out Johnson with the right hand, covered him. With feet on the bottom rope for the pinfall victory, right on. Which I I know I think we've seen this before with some heels that I that's one thing I really enjoy was seeing the heels do you know some more dirty work on you know 
cheating to win and putting their feet on their ropes for extra leverage to cheat even more. Yeah, just cheat whenever possible. Yep, I'm with that. If you're going to be a a bad guy, just go for it. Just be as bad as you can. I would I would completely agree with you on that one. So the winner is Rowdy Roddy Piper. I rated this match a dud. It just never really got going. Yeah, I don't know what I, I don't know what I rated it, but it just never really got going. With this long stalling segment, then we had about two minutes of action, and then it was over. You, you know, it it I don't fault you at all for that because it's. I think I rated it one, like one and a quarter or one and one and a half, something like that. Because, yeah, it, it it just never really started and it was over before it began. I felt like this match was a lot like the Undertaker British Bulldog match that we reviewed last week. I felt mm, like sure. this match felt like a lot like a house show match. Yeah. Uh huh. No, I'd yeah. And yeah. we saw some replays. Yada 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 yada. Whatever. Yep. Right. I'm excited for the next letter, Mr. Beverly Hills. Okay. The letter in the alphabet that comes after J is the letter K. Yes. As in Kamala. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I watched a promo after. So after I watched this Kamala stuff, I was just in a Kamala mood. So I watched some more Kamala YouTube stuff. And I watched this promo for a six-man tag that was Nails, Kamala, uh, and somebody else against Ultimate Warrior, uh, Texas Tornado. No, Ultimate Warrior, Big Boss Man, and Undertaker. Um, so it's so, like interesting uh, interesting combination right there. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of who would have been feuding with the Ultimate Warrior at this time. But so it's so it's those three, and uh, shoot, who? Oh God! And so it's like the main event guy, but he's trying to talk, and you know, Nails did his piece, and this main event guy's trying to talk, and all you can hear is Kamala going. <laughs> over the top and I, if I was the who whomever was trying to speak I would just like slap Kamala I'd be like guys <laughs> chill out uh, I'm trying to get my promo here but oh it's Razor Ramon <laughs> <laughs> so Razor Ramon's try and you know Razor Ramon isn't like a yelling shouting guy yeah. right you know he's especially in his early you know, 92 days here. So he's trying to talk, and all you can hear is Kamala mooing. <laughs> That's funny. Talk about Kamala's mooing. Yes. What do you think of when you hear the name Kamala? Uh, I mean the Ugandan headhunter is what I think. So I think of a savage being trained into him or being turned into a man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know him best from this time, I guess. Yeah. Yes. So, because of Kamala and the promo that we're going to uh, talk about, I have to open up my mellow yellow for Kamala. <laughs> sure. Because I absolutely loved the promo that we get for this match. Oh, I guess the promo that we watched and the promo that we get leading into the match. Oh my gosh. This this promo segment is insane. 
So Lord Alfred Hayes is with Slick. <laughs> And Slick, Reverend Slick, yeah, Reverend Slick, and they're at a bowling alley because Slick <laughs> wants to teach Kamala how to bowl. Yes, because he teaches you how to be a man, and and this is a bowling is apparently part of being a civilized man. Whatever. I mean, I know how to bowl, so <laughs> it, it made me laugh. You know, because that because like you said with the promo about the six man that you hear Kamala. Move, move. <laughs> In the background when Slick was talking to Lord Alfred Hayes and it made me laugh and it made me <laughs> laugh too that Slick put over that he had 2,700 games in bowling and all that. <laughs> yes, when he's talking about his bowling prowess. It's hilarious. <laughs> and, <laughs> Good call, yes. I bowled 27 perfect games. That's 12 strikes in a row. <laughs> that just made me laugh and this promo gave me a lot of good laughs, and it also this promo taught me that Slick can teach any savage to be a man. I guess. Have you watched any of the other Slick turning Kamala into a man promos? No, I might have to do that later on tonight. Oh my gosh, they do such things as Slick teaching Kamala how to throw a birthday party. That's funny. <laughs> it's probably just as good as this bowling one. And something that made me laugh right at the end is that, well, yeah, because yeah, during the promo that Kamala was about to throw the ball forward, but let it go backwards and all that, and well, yeah, and he's gonna run it down the lane. Yeah, then Slick stopped well, and all that. You're, and, you're forgetting the my favorite part, what? which is that Slick gave Kamala a bowling ball that was painted like Kamala's <laughs> tummy. Yes, and and Kamala <laughs> was scared to put his fingers in the holes and yes. all that. Well, he didn't want to roll it because he loved it so much. <laughs> you know, he loved that it was painted like him. And it made me laugh that right at the end of the promo that Slick was discouraged, I guess. That seemed like he wasn't yep. really going that well on. He had given up on him. Uh, Kamala wasn't learning how to bowl properly. Then then we hear, you know, some str- you know the bowling ball going down yep. the lane yep. and the yep. pins going down and, Kam- and Slick's face. And Lord Alfred, Lord Alfred Hayes' face, like, okay, what just happened? They turn yep. around and Kamala ball the strike. Yeah, Kamala had ball the strike, and then you hear <laughs> Kamala's so happy he slaps his tummy. Yeah, so it made me happy too watching that <laughs> promo, seeing that that Kamala did indeed get a strike. Yes. Oh my gosh! And this was just so fun. Like I couldn't imagine. Because I don't know, I'm I'm I got the feeling kind of that this was edited a little bit, edited for time for the, because uh, this is like it this was posted by WWE, so I, I'm just wondering, and I don't know if I could take anything longer than this. Yeah. But in a in a three minute version, uh, it's perfect, and it was really funny. So yeah, I, I'm happy that this promo wasn't any longer because I feel like if it would have gone much longer, I felt, felt like this promo would have overstayed its welcome. Sure, and it just would have been kind of redundant at yeah. some point. It just would have been kind of like more of the same, and they kind of hit the hit the big points on this one, but it, it was pretty good. Something that I enjoyed was the match that we saw for Kamala was Kamala taking on Kim Chi. Right, so it's this continuation of Kamala becoming a man, and we're on the road to uh, WrestleMania 9 here. And this is from WWF Superstars. Oh, it's actually from a special called March to WrestleMania. Okay. My bad. And right away when this 
clip started, we get a Hulk Hogan WrestleMania 9 <laughs> promo. Yes, we did. And it's so just like perfect for WrestleMania 9 because it's like, you know, Hulk Hogan will be making his debut or making his return. And then it's like, and Bret Hart's facing Yokozuna for the title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hogan, brother. And it's so WrestleMania 9 in a, in a nutshell there. Yeah. Then we get the opening bell. Then we get Slick in the ring. Slick and, in the ring, yes. And he's asking everybody, how's everybody's doing tonight? Are Can we, I get a witness? Are we happy? <laughs> are you happy? Can I get a witness? Mr. Beverly yeah! I enjoyed Slick so much here on this promo, and I enjoyed Slick in the 1000 edition of Monday Night Raw when Daniel Bryan and AJ Lee were supposedly going to get married. Okay. If you can remember, if I ever get married, please remind me to try to try to talk my future bride into having Slick be the master of ceremonies. Be the officiant? Yes. Um, well, I don't know. You could just always go get married at whatever place he's doing it you know just like he you can just kind of con her into getting married at wherever slick is the is the (laughs) minister so just be like well this is the guy oh sorry (laughs) that would be amazing i think i think that should be your plan just you just walk in you're like oh whoops looks like it's slick oh sorry (laughs) That, that would be amazing and she's like, why are we getting married, like, in Kansas City? And you're like, I don't, I don't know. Is closest church in the area. Yep, yep closest one I could find. And, <laughs> and then Slick is there. What's your thoughts on Slick's promo to welcome Kamala to the crowd? You know, I thought it was really good. Uh, the, the whole Reverend Slick thing, uh, I haven't seen a ton of. Um, I saw that pretty much just... Well, here's what I've seen of Reverend Slick. The stuff we watch for the podcast, and he was a guest or a, a contestant on Celebrity Family Feud, uh, which I watched a ton of uh, the Game Show Network when I was growing up. And uh, he was on, it, I can't remember who else was on it. I really wish I could. Uh, Bobby was definitely there on like the villain side. Um, but Reverend Slick was on, on the face side and I didn't really know much about that. He even had done the Reverend Slick thing, but, uh, yeah, I, it really, I don't know a lot of them. I really enjoyed hearing Reverend Slick, you know, asking the crowd, you know, how they're doing, are they happy? And hearing Bobby (laughs) respond to it too. No. Are, are you happy? No. He's just like so straight up. It's just hilarious. Are you happy? No. Can I get a witness? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> what was McMahon's line in there too about something or another? I don't know. Oh gosh, I don't, he was laughing a lot. And yeah, he was Vince, just you know kind of telling Bobby to come on. Then Vince, I don't know, said something like deadpan voice too when oh, Slick was talking. Yeah. It made me laugh. Whatever Vince said. Yeah, you're, you're right. He did. I can't. No, I can't recall. Then, uh, yeah, then. Kimchi came out and all that after. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm first, sorry. Kamala, first Kamala's music plays. <laughs> sorry. And then so I don't want to seem like I'm making fun of the actual people who 
do that kind of stuff. I'm really sorry if, if it sounds that way. I think it, I'm just, I'm more parroting and laughing at the fact that WWE thinks this is okay. Yeah. Just my disclaimer. But so Kamala's music plays and nobody comes out. <laughs> so Slick has to go to the back and get Kamala. <laughs> so we went to commercial and, and as we came back, Slick was guiding Kamala to the <laughs> ring. And, and then we, yeah, then we got Kim Kimchi. And I think, I know you told me before, but Kimchi was the Brooklyn, Brooklyn brawler, right? For, for everything I know, yes. Okay. Yep. Just one, I, just... Yeah. I would be 99% sure at this point. Could have been somebody else. Could have been Ray Apollo. I don't know. But for, from all recollections, I know it was Brooklyn Brawler. I feel like the whoever Kim Chi was, they did a great job covering him head to toe in the costume that he had. Sure. Yeah, he's wearing gloves. He's got like a um, scarf between his shirt and his mask, and then he's got the mask on. So it really could have been anybody, but yeah, I, I'm fairly certain. No, I mean, over the years, Kimchi has been played by... Many different people. Many, many different people from place to place, wherever Kamala has been. There's almost always a Kimchi with him, but uh, yeah. And, uh, I don't know if you took note or not, but somewhere towards, I think, when... Uh, I'm sure I did, but it's been lost in the ether. That when <laughs> Kimchi had the advantage, Bobby had a funny line about why humans have animals for... He was going to have somebody to talk to who's underneath them who won't talk back. Yeah, he was talking about how um, Kamala's like a dog, like a big dog. If a dog takes a big dump you in the house, you rub its face in it, and then you like beat it up. And Viz was very not pleased with that, and I would agree. But, yeah, that was his line. Of, <laughs> he's, um, he's saying that basically like, it was okay that Kimchi treated Kamala back because he's like a dog. It it made me laugh, and Vince's reaction to Bobby saying that made me made me made me laugh even harder, and put that put Bobby's line over that much greater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're playing they're playing with each other pretty well. They're doing a good job. And I guess that I never really watched much. Else, I have no recollection of watching matches with Vince and Bobby as the commentators and all that. And I want to. I would love to watch more matches with these two as a commentators because of how great of chemistry these two had for this match. Sure. Yeah. Well, I yeah, guess so I mean Yeah. Oh, go so ahead. Bad. So, you know, Kamal after the the initial beginning where Kimchi kind of just had a um had an advantage because Kamal was scared of him. Kamal kind of took over real quickly, some big overhand chops, some hand thrusts and uh he finishes him off with this huge splash, and of course, Kamala covers him backwards, yes. covers his Kim, stomach down. Yeah, Kimchi was yeah, yeah face first into the mat, and Slick is encouraging the crowd to encourage Kamala to turn over Kimchi you know, to his back and to mm-hmm. pin him and all that, which always great. And then I even when he did turn him over, I think Mike Yoda just like counted because because he was kind of like sideways. Yeah. When, when he finally did count, but eh, whatever. <laughs> so the winner is Kamala. And I rated this match one and a half star for character development. Uh, I went I went dud. Fair yeah. enough, yeah. This was very good. Wasn't that Matt? That wasn't that great, but I guess I wanted to rate this what it was because of what we saw in a post match antics with Slick with Slick Kamala and Kim Chi's hard hat. 
Oh my god, the the post match was amazing. This is the true main event of of the evening <laughs> is Slick wanting Kamala to put on the helmet. And when Slick when when Slick puts on the helmet, Kamala gets scared of him. Yes. And like and he's like and he like puts up his hands and and then Slick puts it on and he starts to kind of like strut. Uh and event, I mean, you can take it away. Yeah, you can take it away. yeah. Slick uh, started to do, yeah, started to dance and all that, and and yeah, and it made me laugh. And Kamala, and it's like that once Slick put the hat, hard hat on Kamala. Kamala started to do some his own kind of strut and all. That. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, Kamala's strut was amazing. It's kind of like a robot strut. He's like, <laughs> it was oh god, so good, so good. And as I laughed to seeing you dance to the video scope, McMahon also laughed at Kamala strutting. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they were all they were all geared up for this WrestleMania nine match between Kamala and Bam Bam Bigelow, which sadly did not happen due to time. And I want to ask Mr. Beverly Hills. Yes, are you ready for the Survivor Series? <laughs> yeah, One, are you two, ready three. for the Survivor Series? One, two, three. Oh, oh. oh. WrestleMania, fighting to serve us. Pump it up, pump it up. Great, great ending. Oh my gosh, when I saw that, I in my notes that are now gone, I wrote in all caps, yes, WrestleMania song. Because <laughs> I love that song. That made me happy too. And I loved it when that used to be Linda McMahon's theme song. Yeah. Well, taking out all the words, but yeah, just the, yeah. that <laughs> instrumental. Yeah. Do, 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 Bump it up, bump it up. Come, 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 coming at ya. Great stuff. What else is also great? A two by four, two by four, two by four. I got the American flag. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He beats people up. <laughs> Powerful new force. Hack, hack, saw Chip Duggan. Okay, go on. What else is great is us taking a quick break where we can take a breather, let's take a stretch break. We'll be right back here on Mid Event Status Radio. Hogan and Triple H involved in a hell of a match at Backlash 10 days ago. No DQ, it don't matter. You can push the ref all he wants. Here's Jericho going in. Jericho is frustrated. Right in Jericho's hands. Hey, is it is it getting cold in here, guys? This is not cold. I feel the presence. Almost like as if the Undertaker were here. Undertaker can't be here. Mr. McMahon said he can't be here. I suspended. I hope the Undertaker doesn't come out here. Oh, Chris Jericho. Wait a minute! What the what the hell is this? The Undertaker can't be here! Oh my god, the Undertaker's here. He's on his way, he's coming out! I had a feeling this would take Undertaker's gonna get suspended. I had a feeling this was gonna happen. I think he's done. Hogan's got Jericho on the scoreboard. He's got him. Hogan wins. The psychic hotline was right again. Mission accomplished. Game. Jericho attacking Hogan from behind. And there goes the game. And there goes Triple H the game. And the match is over. He ruled the ring for over a decade. He filled more arenas than L.E., Foreman, and Sugar Ray combined. 
and he's been crowned WWF champion four times. This April 4th, live on pay-per-view, the immortal Hulk Hogan returns. WrestleMania, live Sunday, April 4th on pay-per-view. I loved that they get the kid at Raw and they him in the and I guess they'd gun up to him beforehand and they go alright we want you to go you can't me so they start filming the kid and his kids start going you can't me you can't me and they keep filming him and they keep filming him and he starts looking around (laughs) and he looks at his and he's still moving his hand and I'm like get the off the poor kid he looked like he was so over this after about 30 seconds. That was unnecessary. (laughs) We're back with more of the march to WrestleMania. And by the way, later on, we will be hearing from the mega maniacs. They're anxiously awaiting to join us. Hulk Hogan, Beefcake are in the building. You bet. How is everybody doing tonight? I want to ask you a question. Is everybody happy? No. Are you really happy? No. Well, I want you to know that the Reverend is also happy. I'm happy and excited because WrestleMania is right around the corner. And my man, my new convert, Kamala, the Ugandan giant, is primed and ready to take Bam Bam Bigelow down. (laughs) Testify. You know what? I want to thank all you people, but... Because it's because of your support that we've been able to turn the Uganda giant around and to get him to walking in the straight and narrow. But you know, whenever you try to do good, evil is always present. Yeah. And that evil that I'm talking about tonight is in the form of a one Kim T. Kim T wants Kamala to turn around and walk back in darkness. And I say, we can't let that happen. Can I get a witness? Oh, yeah. We got to keep him walking in a straight and narrow. Can I get a witness? We got to keep him looking toward the light. Can I get a witness? Do you like what I'm saying? No. Can we get the job done? No. I get a right to my opinion. Amen. And now from Uganda at 390 pounds, the Ugandan giant Kamala! The Ugandan giant, the mighty Kamala, on his way to WrestleMania. On his way to walk up with Bam Bam Bigelow. All right, we are back for the thrilling conclusion of YouTube series YouTube A to Z Part 2, uh, counting down the thrilling letters F through K. Um, uh, what, who is your main eventer of the evening, Mr. Dirty? I have a tie between two guys. Okay. It was the two guys that Hulk Hogan fought in the series, Ric Flair and Chris Jericho. I felt like, you know, granted, you know, the Jericho match we felt like weren't, wasn't as good as a Flair match, but I feel like Flair and Jericho gave their best to bring out a acceptable match out of Hulk Hogan in 2002. Right on. Right on. My main Avengers flair. I thought his promo was uh, simply tremendous. Uh, he hit all his spots in the 
Um, in the match with Hogan, uh, he was, you know, perfect 2002 Ric Flair, uh, and he was totally on right, so he looked good. <laughs> My jobber has to be Kim Chi. Okay. Because he sucks. <laughs> oh, hey didn't, now. Didn't mean to say the same. <laughs> Just, just my uh, ma- my megaphone just wanted to chime in too and say that, that Kim Chi's uh, its jobber. <laughs> Kim Chi, you suck. My made a, my jobber. <laughs> my jobber's Johnny Stevens. Fair enough. Yes, good. That's another good choice for a jobber. He sucked, and he a true jobber is Johnny Stevens, or as YouTube would just say, Stevens. <laughs> Johnny Stevens, you and Kim Chi can join up together and suck it. Yeah, what if Johnny Stevens and Kim Chi were a tag team? That'd be a rough tag team. I would love to see those two take on the greatest tag team ever with Kamala and Slick. <laughs> sure. Sure. So we'll also get into the plugs for the podcast. Okay. You guys can listen to us on three different ways. Over at our website, Status. Dot com again that's main event status dot com or on SoundCloud search us out main event status radio on SoundCloud or go to our URL soundcloud.com slash main event status radio that's all one word again that's soundcloud.com slash main event status radio and Mr. Beverly Hills if people don't want to listen to us on those two platforms how else can they listen to us well you can listen to it like I listen to it Load up the old iTunes podcast store, search out Main Event Status Radio, and please do subscribe. Rate, comment, subscribe. Push us up those ranks, man. And please, uh, everybody, please tell your friends to listen to us. Subscribe. Bump us up. We want more listeners. We want people to join the Main Event Status train, daddy-o. We... Have something in common with Glacier, Mr. Beverly Hills. Oh, what's that? We cannot be stopped. Okay, I, th- I was thought you could have gone a lot of different directions. Um, <laughs> we're, we move extremely slow. We never debut. Uh, we're gym teachers from Georgia. Could have went a lot of different directions. Sure, you guys can also <laughs> interact with us on the social media accounts. We're on Facebook. Search out, search us out, Min Event Status Radio. Like us there, or go to facebook.com slash Min Event Status Radio. Again, that's just like our SoundCloud URL, facebook.com slash Min Event Status Radio. You guys can also interact, interact with us on the Twitter machine, Beverly Hills. How can they interact with you there? You can search me out at Beverly Hills M-E-S. And for me, it's at Dirty Dog, M-E-S, that's dog as in D-A-W-G, at Dirty Dog, M-E-S. And Mr. Beverly Hills, do you have any final thoughts when we're in the offices of F through K here in YouTube? I don't think I do. So for Mr. Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. Adios, men eventers. Slick Rick! Come on, those who's boss. It's like if you have a big dog and he makes a mess in the house. You rub his nose in him and then work him over. That's what Kim Chi's do. What we apologize to anyone out there who cares about their pets, which I would hope would be the 
vast preponderance of all of you. You know why people have pets, don't you? Why? Because they're weak inside. They like to be able to talk to something four foot, four legged, they can't talk back to them. Kamala's talking back already to Kimchi. Time when I said goodbye And now I'm back And I'm ashamed to cry Ooh, baby Here I am Signed to deliver I'm yours Ooh, yeah When I said goodbye And now I'm back And I'm ashamed to cry Ooh, baby Here I am Signed to deliver I'm yours Amazing. But you get, you get much more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night, everybody. That's so good.